home of uh, Del Valle. Hi, getting ready for our big 915 Tours game of the week tonight. Sports Talk originates here on a Friday afternoon. It has been years, many, many, many years since the, we have taken this show out to a high school football stadium press box on a Friday night, but Thanks to uh, Bleeding Red, the documentary that local filmmaker uh, Chris Hanna and ZGN Productions has been embarking on uh, since the project began um, months ago with um, Bel Air and their quest to win a district title. That's exactly what is on the line tonight. They'll be playing for a gold football as Bel Air tries to win a big road game to uh, cement what would be a dream season for them, while Del Valle has plans of their own to be holding the gold once it's all said and done here at their home field. Along with Adrian Broadus and uh, Danny Pedroza, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Good to have you back here on the program. Adrian, it is nice to get out of the studio. And you know what? Even though... We're doing this show here today because of Chris Bleeding Red, the opportunity to add a little more pageantry to the big game. It's almost like it's given me a little bit of a wake-up call that maybe uh, in 2024 we should be planning many of our sports talk lives on Friday night from our 915 Tours Game of the Week. Not a bad idea at all. No, not a bad idea at all, Steve. And I love being out here uh, in far, far east El Paso. I guess you got to call this kind of like the lower valley east side of El Paso. Uh, but nonetheless, always great to be out here at Del Valle High School. And the Conquistadores check into this one uh, with a you know on a big win streak. They've only lost in non-district play when it came uh, at the hands of Pebble Hills. And in that game, their sophomore sensation quarterback, Jake Fetty, talking about a quarterback, first year starting at the helm of this program, he's 8-0 as a starting quarterback. That's pretty amazing for a sophomore who's really coming onto the scene nicely. And on the other side of it, it's Bel Air, whose lone blemish of the entire season comes at the loss uh, or came at a loss against Isleta. A disappointing one for their head coach, Eric Scoggin, uh, and their veteran-led team, led by their quarterback, Noah Moreno. Uh, They've also got wide receiver Chris Davis. Very impressive group only loss of the season came to Isleta if they win tonight they take the district championship Del Valle wins this one they take it outright you look at what uh, this Del Valle program has done this would be their 12th district championship if they were to win tonight and the third in five years for head coach Rudy Contreras but on the other side Bel Air is searching for their first district title since 1991, the wow. final year of Bob Savage, by the way. Uh, so we are out here, lots on the line, and uh, it's it's football Friday night, Steve. I'm, I'm fired up for it. Uh, I won't blame you. I would be too. In fact, uh, I can't wait to get things going. And you're right, so much on the line tonight, so much on the line when you talk about these two programs and and what they've done. And you look at Rudy Contreras, since he took over the program in 2019, he goes 5 and 6 overall, then 5 and 2, 7 and 4 and now uh, 9 and 2 last season before what has been a terrific uh, football season this year, 8 and 1, trying to make it 9 and 1 going into the playoffs. And that right then and there shows you what they're all about. But on the flip side, Bel Air and Eric Scoggin he takes over a program in 2019, same year as Contreras. He goes three and seven in year one, one and five in the 
um, pandemic season. Two and nine in 2021, but then eight and three last year. And now he has uh, Bel Air right where he wants it. As you mentioned, just one loss on the season. So impressive uh, and, and trying to win a, a district title and also go to 9-1. and one Because they're 8-1 just like Del Valle. The only difference is that loss gives them the 3-1 and one record in the district versus 4-0 and oh, uh, for the Conquistadors. So this is going to be fun. I love the setup. The sun is blasting through the press box. To give you an idea of how hot it is, folks, they have these nice concrete dividers in between the windows, and Adrian is probably about five feet away from me, which is exactly the amount of space the dividers have to shield us from the sun. Otherwise, the sun would be right in our faces right now, and we would be baking as we get started here on the program. Yeah, you got to love uh, this time of year, right, Steve? The sun is going to be setting a little earlier tonight, um, as usual, around this time of year. Sunday, daylight savings coming right around the corner. Yep. And uh, we are the, you know what, we, we're be- we're benefiting off this sun right now. In our face, you can't even look out the window without, uh, uh, you know, the sun glaring in your face. Uh, but it's a lot of fun out here, and a beautiful day, really. It's, yep. it, they, they've done a great job for us out here at yep. Delvaya High School. And I want to say thank you to the Delvaya crew. The ladies have been terrific. Thank you, ladies, for cleaning up uh, and, and making this such a, a great spot for us. In fact, one of the ladies who I will not give out her name, when we asked her who she wanted to see win, mentioned, well, I went to Bel Air. I know. And it's like there's, there's a conflict there. Works here at Del Valle, attended Bel Air. That's like the ultimate conundrum. You could say, well, no matter who wins, she's going to be happy. Because if her school wins, she's happy. But if her alma mater wins, she's even happier. But that is the ultimate uh, dilemma right now in terms of who to root for here tonight? You know, I think Bel Air is going to bring a great contingent of fans out here tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. But that's uh, the ultimate conundrum right there, who to root for tonight if you're if you're in that situation. I love that story, by the way. But it also tells you what's on the line. I mean, it's so exciting to watch a, a game like this with stakes this high, yep. with two teams who've played such exceptional seasons. I mean, I've been circling this one since way back in September, knowing that these two would probably be the, the the two coming out of the district and being uh, the cream of the crop in this district. And that's exactly the case. On one side, you got a sophomore quarterback leading a bunch of, uh, you know, Del Valle Conquistadores who are really coming onto the scene nicely this year. But on the other side, you have a veteran-led group at Bel Air that wants to win their first district title since the early 90s. So a lot on the line tonight, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And it's, it's a great slate of uh, high school football tonight here for Football Friday Night. And what a way to kick off the sports weekend. I mean, really, you've got football. Friday night, and they are playing in their last week week of the regular season because playoffs start to, uh, next weekend with the you know uh, by district play, and we'll see what happens there. So that's a great storyline. We've got Ring War six tonight at the Coliseum, so pro boxing returns to the Sun City with Stephanie Hahn and Jorge Tovar, and I just uh, put up through six hundred ESPN uh, El Paso's. Uh, Twitter or X handle, depending on uh, how you refer to it, uh, a couple of uh, conversations with both Stephanie and uh, with George as they are both preparing 
for uh, tonight, getting back in the ring. They had an open workout a couple of days ago, had a chance to attend that, talk to both fighters, put that up, and uh, I'm telling you, they're both ready to go. They look like they're in incredible shape. Stephanie is completely ripped when she was working out, and you could tell just how, how strong she is. Different fighter than her sister. She's got the she's got the speed and the strength. Whereas um, I think Jennifer was more of somebody that could just outbox you. Stephanie's somebody that can knock you out. That's the biggest difference there, and we'll see that when she returns to the ring tonight. While Jorge, hey, six and zero, and one of the bright young boxing prospects here in El Paso. Yeah, first off with Stephanie, I'm just really excited about uh, her, uh, I guess, kind of jump-starting her career here. Uh, you know, she's been around, she's fought in, in, you know, multiple bouts, but just having an opportunity to do it again in front of the city of El Paso and continue in her career, that's awesome. But Jorge Tovar, I mean, what a tear he's been on. And he's really, uh, I think he's captured a lot of people's attention here across town. I think he's become a, a you know, a fan favorite. And I think you'll see that tonight out at the Coliseum for this big one. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I can't wait to hear the response after the fact. You know El Paso, Steve. They love boxing. Whenever boxing comes to town, they, they always show up. And it's always the funniest crowds. It, it's my favorite uh, environment to be around when it comes to sports. So, yeah, it's going to be a great one tonight. It is. And with all the games we've got coming up, it's, uh, it's just going to be a fun night. Fun night of sports. And then this weekend, look, uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be a busy one for me. I'll be in Cruces at 4 for kickoff between the Aggies and Middle Tennessee State. If they win, they go bowling for the first time in back-to-back years since 59-60. And then heading to El Paso to watch UTEP take on Western Kentucky. So I can't remember the last time I was able to get two football games in back-to-back like this, like I will tomorrow. That's awesome. A doubleheader for college football. Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy day tomorrow. We'll be live out at the District West, 32-33 North Mesa. The tailgate is starting at 3 o'clock for homecoming between UTEP and Western Kentucky. Our coverage starts around 5 o'clock here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Homecoming game, UTEP-Western Kentucky. Uh, Miners backed against the wall just trying to keep their season uh, alive. And I'm, t- I'm really just talking about their bowl berth mm-hmm. uh, eligibility hopes alive. Uh, and they're, they're taking on a really tough team in Western Kentucky who loves to throw the football all over the field. So it's going to be a tough one. We're going to get started with the pregame show, the Minor Talk uh, pregame show, out for the tailgate live at the District West. And then, of course, afterward, we will have Minor Talk as well, presented by the Oscar ID at the agency. So, yeah, busy weekend, Steve. And it leads into a busy week next week when uh, UTEP Hoops gets underway. Monday. Can you believe it? Monday night is the debut of the UTEP men's basketball season. That's right. And it gets started with the women for the doubleheader, which will be great. Uh, women women have already played. We've talked about that on this show. Yep. And we've already talked about their exhibition last weekend. But when, we, when it comes to the men's basketball team, this will be the first look that we all get on the men's basketball squad this year. I mean, uh, I expect to see a lot of the freshmen. Uh, and most importantly, uh, David Terrell, Trey Horton. I expect to see a lot of them uh, next week. Remember They've got that Thursday game as well, but McMurray first on the schedule. That's Monday, and that tips off 7 o'clock, so we're ready for that one as well. No, I can't wait. Uh, It's going to be great. We'll be live at the L House on Monday, but we'll lead you right in to John and Steve and UTEP basketball, which, uh, again, I'm excited for. I know a lot of minor fans are as well. All right, before we do anything, and today's going to be a busy one. As you mentioned, we're with you for a couple hours. We'll have Bo and Paul take the air Right around 6.20, 6.30, they'll be hitting us just past our first break 
Mike of the show from our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Lubingo Studios, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. And by the way, speaking of Schoolyard Sports, yesterday, Lane Cinta, uh, Cinta de Oro, one-on-one, picking NFL games. I'm going to tell you something. That, to me, we've done so many of these over the uh, last couple of years with Lane but we had fun uh, yesterday. Sinta's NFL knowledge impressed me because he was more than a novice. I feel like he had good analysis on a lot of teams and matchups and games. And when uh, Lane asked me yesterday morning who he's picking against, and I said, I'm just waiting for confirmation. And then he said, well, can you, can you share it or is it a surprise? And I sent him a picture of Sinta de Otto. He had no idea what to expect <laughs> until he walked into uh, the studios yesterday, the River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studios, and saw the pro wrestler from El Paso and uh, loved that segment a lot. I thought uh, I thought those two were great. Yeah, I thought they were awesome. If you missed it, check it out on, on our 600 ESPN El Paso podcast channel for sure because it was such a great conversation. And, and uh, afterward, Lane posted the picture with uh, Cincada, uh, excuse me, Cinta de Oro and, on social media, and he tagged him. And, you know, you could just tell that Lane was fired up after the segment. But we'll see how they go uh, up against each other. Lane's been on a nice tear lately, pretty much beating all our guests that we've had against him. No, you're right. It's It's been fun. And uh, I know he got the best of you, but I, but I give you credit. You went against him on a lot of picks just to be different, which I was which was good. But, unfortunately, it, it just didn't work out. I love Cintha because he would throw you, – you're right on the novice side. He's not a novice in terms of his football knowledge. He would throw out a tidbit here like, I, I'm frustrated with the Falcons this year. Or, like, talk a little bit more about the Cleveland Browns and maybe a casual NFL fan would know. So he knows. He studies on it. He does. He might not know all the names of the players, but he, he definitely knows how the teams are. Last night, Coronado beats Montwood 26-21. Upset there. Franklin beats El Dorado 48-40. Now, um, there were a lot of fireworks in both games, but <laughs> no fireworks like the show Franklin put on at halftime last night. I was at the house... And all of a sudden, I start hearing the sound of what I thought were fireworks. I go outside. I have never seen so many fireworks in my life in a 10-minute span like I saw out the backyard at the direction of Franklin High where their football team put on not only a big 48-point performance in beating El Dorado, but again, one of the most ridiculous fireworks shows I've ever I've ever seen. So I was there last night supporting my wife. She's uh, the dance coach over there for the Silver Stars. Uh, I was supporting uh, her, and when I saw the fireworks show, I'm looking around thinking, wait a second, what kind of money do the Franklin football boosters really have right now? And then somebody educated me, and they told me, no, 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 no. It was the 30th anniversary of Franklin High School yesterday, so they wanted the fireworks to celebrate all of that. And so I thought that was really cool. I mean, it was a excellent fireworks show. I, I was thinking to myself, when are we ever going to get a fireworks show like this? There were, uh, you know, my neighborhood app, my ring app was going crazy. People were wondering what that was. Yeah, it was fireworks on the west side, and Franklin High School did it to celebrate 30 years. Listen, I think the Chihuahuas have the best fireworks show in El Paso. I really do. This was like the Chihuahuas fireworks show on roids. That's the best way to describe it. Because when you throw the fireworks shows from the Chihuahuas, they always throw a bunch, then they wait about five or ten seconds and throw some more up. This was nonstop. There was no break for ten minutes. I don't think I've ever seen more consecutive fireworks launched in my lifetime 
than what was done yesterday at Franklin High. I kept waiting for it to be over. Like every five, you know, every minute, I was waiting. I was like, okay, here's the finale. Here's the finale, and it never would come. And then both teams got on the field, and you could tell the El Dorado players on the other side. They were like, wow, this is crazy. This is actually really cool. So yep. yeah, it was really funny. It, they did it during halftime. Players came out. They, it was so long that the players had already come back onto the field, and they got to witness the fireworks show as well. Man, oh man, crazy stuff, but a fun one nonetheless. Yeah, and you know, credit to Shea Smith, the quarterback for the Franklin Cougars. He's gone through this program for four years. He's going to be a Division One player at some uh, place at the college level. He's been recruited by Houston, recruited by Texas Tech, of course, recruited by UTEP. The question is what position he'll play at the next level. Regardless of position, he's a great quarterback. I'm really excited to see what you know his future lies ahead of him, and they get a big victory. He had four rushing touchdowns in the first half. Just showed what the senior did, and by the way, great win for Coronado, improving to 5-5 five and five on the season with a big upset against Montwood. I know it doesn't mean much. I know they're not going to the playoffs, but they're bringing a lot of people back next year, and I think Coronado has a great chance to make the playoffs next year in 2024. I agree, and, and Mike Pry is going to be sitting there kicking himself, realizing what could have been had things in the West Side Bowl gone a little oh, different in that game. If they beat Franklin, if they yep. beat Pebble Hills, yep. if they, you know, they had so many chances all year long, and they played everybody so close. So uh, credit to the Coronado Thunderbirds. What a great season. Great to have you aboard as we get started here on our Friday Live Sports Talk, hanging out in the press box, getting ready for uh, what's going to be the game, uh, our 915 Tours Game of the Week. It's the Bel Air Highlanders, the Del Valle Conquistadores. So we're going to be with you for the next few hours. And then, of course, Football Friday Night's crew here as well with Game of the Week treatment. Meanwhile, let's send it back to Charlie One. He's hanging out right now with our first traffic update of our Friday commute. In the El Paso Metroplex, quite a few rough spots that we have, but I'm going to get to the freeway first. I-10 Wisted by Sana, we have a crash. Blocking the right lane. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue live. The traveling road show today heading to uh, Del Valle's Conquistador Stadium where we are just about ready to go for uh, what's going to be a big one tonight when they kick off here at 7 o'clock. Del Valle and Bel Air. And uh, this is it. It's, isn't it nice to have a one-game winner-take-all for both of these two teams fighting for a chance? I mean, isn't this is what you play for when you start? Uh, when you really when you start the season, you play for a chance to win district. And sometimes you'll have two teams that need a win and a loss or something to happen. But when you have two teams going head to head and you know, the winner of this game gets the district title outright. That's uh, that, that's pretty big. And I think that's what we've seen all season long from uh, the local high school football scene. We've seen uh, kind of top heavy districts in a sense, despite uh, a, a wacky six, a uh, finish the one five, a division one district title has come down to this. It's Del Valle. It's Bel Air. And these two teams have pretty much handled everybody else in the district. You look at District uh, two five or one five A Division two. Uh, it was Canyon Tio and Chapin. Those two teams were the cream of the crops. They they were the best two teams in that district for sure. And they were the ones who went head to head. Canyon Tio got the best of it, and they came out victorious as district champs uh, out of that one. But you kind of look across town this year, twenty twenty three. Not as much parity in high school football. It seems like the better team have really risen to the top, stayed at the top, and have uh, protected that 
that lead in a big way. Now we're seeing it tonight here. It's Del Valle, it's Bel Air, and uh, it's it's the final game of the regular season here for high school football, and everything is on the line. One game already going on, Eastwood and uh, Eastlake, and that game is 13-7 to Troop last. I've had a chance to check on, on that one. Speaking of the Troop, we got uh, one of their very own in, in Steve Foster. With oh, us. he's with us. All right, well, let's let's bring him on board. The Foss, who joins us each week at this time to talk Dallas Cowboys football as the Cowboys get ready for what I think would be, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's their biggest game of the year because I thought the 49ers was their biggest game of the year, and we know the way that one turned out. But this one means a little more because it's a division rival, and we've seen the kind of start that the Eagles have had so far this season. Foss, welcome back, and uh, I'm sure uh, you're always in a good uh, or better mood when you find that your troop uh, are, are winning when we uh, can start the show. Up right now, 14-7 on East Lake. Absolutely. Had a chance to communicate with Coach Lopez this week and told him, you know, gave him the the, the buena suerte, and uh, he certainly obliged. And I think I'm going to have some new trooper gear too, man. Told him extra large, ready to go. So Uh-oh. absolutely correct, spot on. Uh, I told you all that 49er game, eh, muscle minnows, um, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, I think, correctly so, the divisional game with the Eagles much more important in my book. You are such a liar, and I love the way <laughs> you say that like you, like you really mean it. Of course it was a big deal. They were the two, one of the two best teams at the time in the NFC, meeting head-to-head. Tappy. The Niners Tappy. destroyed them. Tappy. Yes. Tappy. Yes. Go back. Go back and listen. I said... This wasn't that that game with the 49ers was not going to be a big deal. No, it's on tape. It's I'm on record saying uh, that Adrian. You, you, Adrian, hang on, hang we on. Play it back. We Adrian, play back. Uh, we got. Do, do you ever remember? Please. Do you remember Foss downplaying the game yes. and saying, "No, hang on, I'm not talking to you." Uh, Foss downplaying the game and saying, "Adrian, that it is no big deal." Do you remember that? I I honestly don't remember this right there, Steve. I have to run back the tape. I, I feel yes, like we'll, we'll do we'll, we'll uh, finish this segment. I'm going to listen back to the pod, and we're going to yeah. hear if Foss indeed said this. But I will say <laughs> that all the hype. There was no way that you were shying away from all the hype around that game, Foss. Even no, though you but, tried to downplay the the outcome of that one, the hype of that one going into it was out, of, out off the roof, off the chains. You know. Well, it might have been it might have been for other people, but I explained. You know what I love about this Cappy? Because I love all those commercials with when they throw the red challenge flag, like when Vaughn Miller and, and, and Stephon Diggs is like wear the same stuff. And he's like, "Well, can I still wear? Can I still wear the hat? No, I'll take off the hat, the belt, the whole thing." We need to make one of those, Cappy. That'd be a good one. Is it, is it Steve or is Steve? You know, I'm telling you, I tried to explain that that was not a big deal. I did. Okay. But go back, throw the challenge flag, Adrian, or it's Cappy. Throw the challenge flag because you called me a liar. Throw the, throw the challenge flag. Go back and listen. And, you know, redemption is sweet. It's sweet. Nonetheless, I- I, I, I will say this, so I will make sure that Adrian, you, and all the listeners, this is a bigger deal within the division because I know it's 
the rival within who can have supremacy for the NFC East. That, to me, is more telling than what happened. Because I said, if you win, because I even forgot that Dallas had won uh, against San Francisco in the in the regular seasons and lost in the playoffs because people only remember the playoffs and they were 0 for 2 in the playoffs. So that's why I said this game that they had played against the Niners was not a big deal. Nonetheless, we're in today. And I think Dak needs to close the gap between he and Jalen Hurts. He's been doing that. I really enjoyed his play last week. I like how he threaded the needle. Uh, in the back of the end zone on the post pattern for touchdowns. I like what Dak did. I like what he's doing. He needs to run a little bit more like Jalen. Maybe not as much because that's not Dak's M.O. But between Turpin showing up and some special teams and the defense, because you're going to have to be led by the defense, Yeah, both the Eagles and the Cowboys, I like that Dak has now moved his meter closer to 10 and away from zero. Okay, that's fair. For one day, for one game he did. I mean, I thought that he played terrific against the Rams. I really did. That's the thing about Prescott. He teases you. He teases you because <laughs> there are certain, and you know you're laughing because you know I'm right on this one. There are certain games. I just games, like how you say it. I yeah. was like, I, I think when I think about teasing, I, I, I think about different things besides Dak Prescott teasing me, but that's fine. That's fine. He does. We're, we're running he, a family, he, family listen. show, family show, teasing. Teasing, yes. Okay. He teases you you into thinking that he is a franchise quarterback that can lead your team to a Super Bowl. That's what he does because he has those kind of games every so often. He puts it together like that. But then there'll be a game. I think the last two games he he has been exactly what I would want him to be. How about that? You agree with that? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But but I'll say this: I I, I think that like I mean the truth is, and no 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 offense to the uh, to the Rams here, Adrian, but you want Dak to arrive and show up and play like that against the Eagles. You want to have your quarterback look good and play well and play his best against the best opponents. And and, and the Rams are not the best opponents, but the Eagles are right now. But, so. but, but, but San Francisco has had losses not against the best opponents this season as well. Not when they played the Cowboys. You're right. You're right. They they They... They they smoked him like bad weed, baby. They tore, they tore through Dallas. No doubt. Absolutely. Got handed. Dallas got handed. You hear me? Handed. They did. Oh, Absolutely. by the way, uh, 14 of 24, 153 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions in that game, Adrian. Foss, you know, when it comes to Dak Prescott, he's so polarizing, right? And, and the Cowboys are polarizing in itself. I think if you ask the average El Paso Dallas Cowboys football fan how they feel about this current season, most of them are maybe cautiously optimistic, but they probably, and I'm talking about the El Paso fans here who are Cowboy fans, they probably think that this team has a ceiling, and it is because of their quarterback in Dak Prescott. Now, flipping the script, the Eagles have struggled over the past, I would say, three weeks. They lost to the Jets. Uh, they did beat the Dolphins on on Sunday Night Football, which was impressive, but then struggled against uh, the Commanders last week. 
uh, if the Cowboys were to get a win, do you kind of feel like the narrative shifts a little bit with Cowboy fans thinking that there's a ceiling on this team? Well, I, I don't think it's just El Pasoans. I think it's Cowboys fans in general think there could be a ceiling. Uh, does the narrative change? They they win Sunday night. You bet. Absolutely, it does. It doesn't guarantee we're going to see them in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, but it changes the narrative. It's two completely different seasons. And why I say the divisional games are more important than the Frisco game or games in the regular season is because the teams in your division know you. Those are really nitty-gritty games. It's like playing district versus non-district games in high school. The non-district games, okay, whatever. But the district games, they, those teams know you. And, and you can really quantify from year to year any type of maturation, any type of drop-off, ceiling, whatever you want to say. So that's why I would say, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be interested in when you, what your takeaway is from when you hear the, the 49ers week, but the game this Sunday within your division, much more important. All right. Now I'll say this. The 49ers have lost three in a row since that Cowboys destruction. And uh, I know Cowboy fans are probably sick to their stomach that they couldn't have exposed the 49ers the way they've been since. Uh, But that's just the reality of the team and the situation and what they're dealing with. Cowboys get their shot at Philadelphia. Uh, The Foss, Steve Foster, a host of Laying Down the Law, Sunday mornings on ESPN San Antonio, joining us uh, as he does each and every week on the program. How do the Cowboys slow down A.J. Brown? So, again, and, and, you know, Dan Quinn, I, I definitely have faith in Dan Quinn. You may have to take away something. You can't take away everything from a football team. And that's why the whole idea is to have as many good players and impact players and, and, and weapons as possible. Because you can take away A.J. Brown, but do you take away Monta Smith as well? Are you giving up Hurts running the ball against you? Somewhere, some way, you're going to have an even up versus an advantage. And to me, especially on the professional level, with the talent, you create, and, and also uh, high-level uh, D1 situations, you create matchup problems. So if you're going to take away one matchup, by bracketing A.J. Brown, you're going to have maybe an even-up situation somewhere else on the field. So you have to feel and be comfortable with knowing either i got to have the pressure, disrupt the timing against Hurts, and take away A.J. Brown and hope that the rest of the guys don't get you. Or they get you, but it's a bend-don't-break. 20-20, to 20, but you're kicking a field goal. You're not punching it in the, in the red zone for a touchdown then you can live with that. But then Dak and company are going to have to make touchdowns as opposed to more field goals in a game on average than touchdowns to win. Foss, when it came to C.D. Lamb last week, I felt like he 
torched the Rams' secondary. Now, the Eagles wanted to try to shore up their secondary over the past couple weeks. I mean, Darius Slay is Darius Slay, but you also look at guys like uh, Bayard, who just came over from Tennessee. That's an addition for them that they hope uh, who can make a significant impact. Uh, How do you like that matchup right there, CD going up against the secondary of Philadelphia, knowing that Lamb is really coming into his own right now, playing great football? Well, I think, too, I like it, but don't forget about your other compliments. You know, I'm not really for receiver one and receiver two. I'm for the receiver that's open that can catch. You know, when and I thought about this when I was going to talk to you all today. You know, Alvin Harper, Michael Irvin, Jay Novacek, Troy Aikman threw to the ball who was the baller who was open. Yes, the playmaker had a lot of hype, and he did what he did. But there's plays where Novacek and Alvin Harper were the guys that took charge, and, and, and Michael fell into that and, and did what Michael Irvin does. But you got to use all your weapons. You're you're hamstringing yourself by not throwing the ball to just you know all your receivers. With that said, C.D. Lamb has to play a major role. That's the difference in the speak. You have to get C.D. Lamb involved in any football game the Dallas Cowboys are going to play because he is a matchup problem for a defense. Whether you bracket, and same thing with A.J. Brown. You hope to take it away from that opposition, but there are always going to be problems and hassles for you. All right, so... When it all comes down to it, uh, this is the game now. You're going on record. You're not sugarcoating it. This is like a district game. You mentioned that a moment ago, the kind of game you live for. So you get that opportunity. Uh, What do you think will happen in Philadelphia? And um, do you think the Cowboys can win this one? Or do you think the Eagles are just too tough at home? I think the Cowboys can win it. They're going to, again, and I've been mainstay with this, they have to be led by their defense. Their defense, to me, is a more solid group. We know what we're going to usually hear me, usually get from the defense. And they can create issues and problems for the Eagles because Jalen Hurts is the heart and soul of the Philadelphia Eagles, in my opinion. And so if you can keep him at bay and off kilter, I think you do – yourself a huge favor in one having um Dak feel good about hey man i'm out playing because they you do compare you know i always would look at like hey man how many yards is you know um Scotty brooks is he, how many catches has he got is he is he getting it going for, for coronado or, or are we getting in, in, into the t-birds you always are aware of that and if they can neutralize that and the psychology is a plus for Dak, then I think advantage Cowboys in a big way. You are such a homer. I love it. That is the beauty about you. You you really are. You are. Well, listen. You are. No, you you epitomize. The, you are a Coronado homer. T, in the Coronado T-Birds in the 80s when I played, were the, they were boss. Look, they, they smashed us when we first played them. I mean, they treated us like little... You know, I don't know if I can say it on the air, but they treated us like that. And that was no way no at all. So, I'm saying, there was a big psychology about what was happening 
when we went to the Sun Bowl to have to see them because they trounced us, okay? And he was part of it. He had he was like, no, Foss, you ain't going anywhere tonight, and I did. So when we had the opportunity to play them again, you have to know what's going on. It's the same thing with Cowboys and Eagles. They know each other well. They're very good teams, <laughs> and you don't want to see them do anything well. You just don't. This question came in on the app from Pinky out in Santa Teresa. He says, ask Foss, with all these games played in all levels of football, is a 1,000 rushing yards the paramount uh, or mountaintop? For receiving and, and, and rushing, it's a, it's, a, it's a standard goal. But now you have 17 games. So it's a bit different when O.J. Simpson broke the 2,000-yard mark in like 12 games, 13 games. So, but it's still a reminder that this is a pretty good receiver or a rusher, uh, a weapon in football. Yes, that's true. Okay. All right. It's said. It's done. We will go back and check on it. And don't worry, we're also digging for the old uh, show that you did the day before the uh, San Francisco game to see if, in oh, fact, please. you, down, do you, do? you downplayed it. Oh, I, yeah, oh trust me, I will. And, I, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, downplayed Cappy. it, yeah, we will We will give you props. We will give you props. Cappy, I, I'm telling you, we should just, when we're together, we should just make a commercial like that where we challenge. I, I think that'd be awesome. Those things are great. They got they got the women doing it. They got the the former players doing it. Everybody's challenged. So I think we are the two broadcasters that do it. And you've thrown the challenge flag, and we're going to go take a look under the under the the, the, the Microsoft, you know, whatever, and and listen and yeah. figure it out. And one of us is going to look, you know, and get it too. Play it for the next time. So then you know you're going to have dead air for false. You're going to just have me go. Well, Cappy, you know, one of those two things. I love it. Adrian, Adrian, what are we going to do with him? What are we going to do with him? Oh, man, I don't know, Steve. I hey, uh, hey, Princeton plays tonight. Foss, how, uh, how well do you know the Princeton football team? Uh, I know Well, I, you know, the head coach and I are former teammates, Bob Serace, class of 90. Uh, he was our center. It was Jason Garrett center. Uh, great guy. His son going to go play for the Scarlet Knights at Rutgers and, uh, and have a good time there playing Division so I like football. I remember much. playing catch with AJ as a little kid. Um, we've got a chance. Princeton's got a chance. Um, we lost a, a heartbreaker, you know, along the way early, but, but we've got a chance to, 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 to be somebody in the 2023 season. Absolutely. All right. Foss, always a pleasure. Thanks for the time. Until next time, uh, next uh, Friday, we'll talk to you then. All right. Take care. Sounds great. Thank you. Steve Foster joining us, uh, laying down the law. 6 to 8 a.m. Sunday mornings on ESPN San Antonio. Come back with more in a moment. 43 pass live out here at Del Valle High getting ready for our 915 Tours Game of the Week. It's Del Valle, Bel Air. It's the final week of Football Friday Night's regular season here on 600 ESPN El Paso.
Ten in front of five right now as sports talk continues. Ugh, that sun is still just right in your face. I, don't, I mean, Adrian, we're not moving. We're going to probably be, uh, unless that sun eventually comes out and continues to, avenge, you know, to, to hit us when we, whether we like it or not, I feel like we're almost positioning ourselves in the perfect spot here over the next hour plus as we get you ready for football Friday night. And uh, Bo Bagley, Paul McKinnon coming up here just a little bit past uh, 6.15. Yeah, I'm getting comfortable, Steve. I guess not too comfortable because uh, Brandon the Iceman Cone will be handling things here at our 915 Tours Game of the Week. Uh, I'll be headed off to uh, Beatty Samang Stadium to watch Bowie Riverside, which will be a great game out of the 4A ranks. And so um, we'll we'll just be here, uh, of course, until about 6.20, before the pregame show. And I'm just fired up for this one. Del Valle, Bel Air, uh, and the district title on the line here tonight. Yeah, I can't wait either. I think it's going to be fantastic. And once again, that's just uh, one of many. Brandon, big game Cone is going to be here for that one as well. Has Coney been to Del Valle this year, or is this his first mm, trip out here? That's a good question. I, I We have to ask that to Brandon when he gets here. Uh, but he will get a chance to feast on the Thanksgiving spread. It is famous here at Del Valle. They, they do it uh, very early in November, but it is the Thanksgiving spread. We uh, we can anticipate pregame uh, meals here for media members. We can anticipate halftime a big spread here at Del Valle, and uh, they're going to take care of Brandon really well here. Good. What's bigger uh, about here, pregame or halftime? Halftime. It is. Halftime. So pregame, well, they'll have a lot of your uh, your hamburgers, your pizzas, uh, a lot of fries, you know, tater tots, things like that for you to just munch on. They've in the past had, like, things like hot dogs as well. Uh, and then at halftime, they actually bring you the entree. So they'll probably do turkey. Uh, in the past, they've done steak. They've done lobster. They've done shrimp. They've done – I've had, uh, you know, pasta out here. So yeah, they've done a lot of different things, and it's thanks to – the uh, Del Valle Football Booster Club, who does this each and every game. You're telling me that they've brought steak and lobster out yes. here to the press box. Yes, they have. You I, realize how yes. ridiculous that sounds yes. for a high school football game? Uh, I think, you know, the, the guy who has probably over the years the best photos of the Del Valle spread is Joe Rodriguez. Really? Our very own. He takes the best photos of his plate. He'll let them load up his plate, and he'll take the photo, and he'll shout it out on social media, which is always a treat to see. And he and, he, and uh, he's accumulated some good ones over the years. I like that. So, um, And I guess we'll at least get to be here long enough for the pregame, right? That's exactly right. We definitely will. We'll, we'll get a chance to, to see what they've got. Maybe uh, maybe they'll just have things fresh for uh, you know people like us here in that 6 o'clock hour. I like that. I, I think that's going to be fun, and uh, looking forward to that as pregame is uh, right around the corner, and then we'll get to uh, all of our games tonight, including our 915 Tours Game of the Week, which will be Del Valle and Bel Air, which is uh, one of the reasons why we are here today. Um, meanwhile, with everything going on, and you talk about all the games uh, here tonight, not just the one we're going to be at, but you know, I, I look at... Some of the games that are going to be happening, I think Chapin and Andrus has a chance to be very interesting tonight, uh, given those two teams and, uh, and and where they've gone. And you know, you got Riverside uh, traveling to Bowie High, another one, uh, you know, with Americas and Socorro, the late game tonight. But yeah, there are some good storylines to see, and I wonder if Bowie 
can upset Riverside tonight and finish it off, uh, you know, winning district. I'm not trying to complicate things, but I'll just keep it short. If Bowie wins, they get a share of a district championship, and that would be the first district title for Bowie since 2016 under a previous coach, Robert Padilla. Uh, Bowie is 2-1 and one on the season. Austin's 2-1 and one on the year. Riverside, meanwhile, they are the only 3-0 and o team in 1-4A. If they win, they outright take uh, 4A, and for head coach Gary Recoder, that would be three district titles in five years at Riverside. Wow. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that one. That is one of the interesting storylines here tonight as we wind up our number one on Sports Talk. Come back with more in a moment. Stay with us. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Danny Pedroza running things back at our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Hey, if you haven't checked out Lane's episode 143, it dropped last night. You can check that out and enjoy the uh, the, the fun that Lane and Schoolyard Sports Podcast. Uh, be a subscriber so you can be notified every time uh, a new episode drops, and then you can listen to that. And uh, They're about 20 to 25 minutes long, and Lane packs, uh, packs it all in and gives you a little bit of everything. And There's even a, uh, a YouTube, a video podcast to accompany the audio-only podcast as well. We're hanging out with you because we're getting ready for uh, the big one, the 915 Tours Game of the Week. It is going to be Bel Air taking on uh, Del Valle, all the marbles for these two teams. We are here to help add to the pageantry that is Bleeding Red, the documentary that Christopher Hanna and his team at ZGN Productions, they've been following Bel Air football all season long. And Coach Scoggin and what he's been able to do. In fact, you think about it, folks, so far – um, you know, it has really been a terrific season for the Highlanders and uh, Eric Scoggin. They've got, uh, you know, an opportunity to win district. That's what you play for. Uh, they got to do it on the road. But this, this film crew has essentially captured the entire season, and they've got a lot of editing to do. But when it's all said and done, it is going to be a Hard Knocks-style show focusing on Bel Air, and really, it, they're using Netflix-approved cameras. So their goal is to have this thing pitched, and eventually on Netflix or a streaming platform like that, similar to that, where people will then be able to watch Bel Air the whole season on the field, off the field. And when Chris said, "Hey, listen, you know, our last game against the Vi, it could be for all the marbles. Would you guys consider coming out for sports talk to kind of?" Add to the excitement of the documentary. I said, are you kidding? 
I think that would be fun for us just to get out of the uh, out of the station on a Friday to to be here for a high school football show is great in itself. And Adrian, we jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, when it's all said and done, Bleeding Red could be documenting history, Steve. So this, if they win tonight, Bel Air's first district title, they would be co-district champions, but first district title since 1991, which was the final year of legendary Bel Air head coach Bob Savage. So a uh, lot on the line here tonight for the Highlanders. And uh, either way, I'm just really looking forward to being out here. And by the way, Steve, we've got head coach Joe Golding on the line with us. I I can't wait. Let's get right out to it. Uh, a man who was watching Coronado last night because his son, one of his sons, is a key member of that T-Birds team that uh, yesterday ended their season on a winning note. That's right. Uh, out at the sack, uh, winning uh, in, in a big fashion, an impressive fashion, 26-21. Coach, uh, welcome back to the show. I know you got a big one coming up on Monday night, which we'll talk about in a moment. But first, uh, reaction to Coronado's big win last night to finish the season five and five. Yeah, it was a great night, man. Uh, obviously proud of the T-Birds and, and obviously proud of my son. Uh, those kids fought through a lot uh, this year. They had a lot of adversity, which happens to any team. Uh, it had been really easy for them to quit. And, uh, you know, they finished the year with four wins in a row and uh, two big ones, obviously, against uh, Americus and, and, and uh Montwood uh, last night, so proud of the coaches' staff there, and uh, ended the year five and five, and and obviously I think they're heading in the right direction. So uh, I tell you what, too, I've just been so impressed, uh, you know, uh, following Kaysen and and Coronado, and getting a chance to watch all these football teams. We scrimmaged Bel Air uh, early in the year. Uh, we, we had a chance to obviously play Canatia. We we played Eastwood and and Pebble Hills, and just the talent level here. Uh, just, just impressed uh, with it, and and uh, the 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 coaching here in the in the community. And I know they're all excited. Tonight's a big night where district championships are decided, and then next week we go chasing some gold balls. And so uh, it, it's fun times around here. When you took the job a little less than three years ago, and you gave everybody a preview of your family and sons, and kind of gave everyone a scouting report. Uh, I can't remember if you ever foreshadowed the fact that um, uh, Kaysen could be playing for uh, you know high school football, if that was the case. I remember you talked about basketball. I remember you gave us a little preview of your younger one, and you were pretty high on him. But uh, I'm impressed. I think that uh, you know a lot of us were wondering what, uh, what kind of athletes uh, these kids of yours would turn into, and, uh, and he's doing just fine. Yeah, just really, really happy for him, uh, Steve. Anytime you move and you change, uh, it's always tough on the kids. And, uh, you know, they were, they were moving at a hard time. One was starting ninth grade, the other one in sixth grade, and everything was completely different and new. And I had, I had zero uh, – I never thought Kaysen would play football. I thought he was done, would never play again, and would just play straight basketball. But Coach Pry got the job there and started working the halls and, uh, you know, talked Kaysen into coming out to spring ball and – uh, obviously got the opportunity to play last year and learned a bunch, and then he's just continued to work hard. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest honor for, for him was he was selected as a captain this year, the only junior captain on that football team. And to move to a completely different city, play a sport that you're not really familiar with, uh, and then to become captain of, of, of one of the captains of the team, is just that makes his dad really, really, really proud of him. And, uh uh, again, uh, credit to the players, the coaches, and uh, I'm happy for him. If you ask him now, he might like football uh, more than basketball. He's kind of got the football bug, and 
Uh, and, and so I'm just excited. Anytime you see your kids excel uh, and your kids are happy, uh, you know, it makes you as a, as a dad happy. There you go. By the way, he wears number one. Was that your number in high school? No, Steve, there's a lot of things I don't agree with, with that he does. Number one, he doesn't wear my number. Two, the Instagram posts, not a big fan of those. The tights, uh, everything we wear nowadays, you know, I'm not a big fan of that. But, uh, hey, it's 2023. we got to market ourselves, right? Um, so I kind of let him got to let him do what he's got to do. Coach, are we uh, getting ready for a varsity basketball season as well? Yeah, so I think tomorrow they scrimmage El Paso uh, High School, and so he'll he'll get on the bus tomorrow and and uh, get with his teammates. Uh, I don't think he'll play tomorrow in the scrimmage, but uh, he'll start Monday. And and obviously excited of, about uh, I know he's excited about basketball season, and um, you know so it's just uh, no no rest, right? They go right to it, and uh, I think if they had it their way, they'd be playing. In the, they'd like to play in the playoffs, but it didn't happen, and so we move on to basketball. Speaking of no rest, for you, you finally get the opportunity Monday night uh, to get back into the Don Haskins Center and give fans the first look at your club. And I know that's something that a lot of uh, people have been waiting for for quite some time. I've been hearing people wonder, hey, when can we finally watch the Miners play? The answer is uh, Monday night, and uh, it will be uh, McMurray, the season opener, 7 o'clock at the Haskins Center. How has the uh, has the last few weeks of uh, practice been for you ever since? you really were able to get back on the court with them on a daily basis. Yeah, it's been good. You know, we had our two scrimmages fairly early this year, um, and so we've had two weeks right here of just grinding. Um, obviously learned a lot in our scrimmages and, um, you know, tried to fix some issues and some problems that we got exposed in in, in our scrimmages and then get better at the things that we did well. Uh, but, you know, when anytime you continue to go against each other, especially after you've played other people, it becomes difficult. But, uh, I knew these two weeks would be long, but, but proud of how our guys have handled it. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in this city more excited uh, than, than ourselves, our team, our coaching staff, uh, to get back on the floor Monday night. You know, Steve, we, we, we take complete ownership of what happened last year. Uh, you know, we don't make excuses around here. We put our head down. We went to work. We recruited some kids that I think are gonna, our fans uh, are going to enjoy watching that, that fill some deficit, uh, some efficiency that we did not have, uh, you know, three-point shooting, free throws depth uh so excited about that and, and these guys have worked their butt off you know from the, the returners in the spring to, to the summer when we got our whole team here uh to this fall it's been a fun group to coach it's been a fun group to be around uh and uh, i know we're excited to, to kind of flip the script of last year and, and get back to work uh, and get this program back where it belongs Coach, uh, we pay attention as a media to uh, websites that talk a lot of preseason predictions and stuff like that, one of them being Ken Palm, which uh, takes all the advanced analytics of basketball and puts it all into a website. You all are checking in as a top 100 defense in the country, and the Don Haskins Center is actually one of the toughest places to to play based on their home court advantage uh, statistic. They actually have you guys in the top 50. What do those two stats tell you, or, or really not tell you much, knowing that we still need to see you guys on the floor and playing against another team? Yeah, I think when you talk about the Don, uh, Adrian, I mean, that's why that's why we took the job here, right? It's just a passionate fan base. People care about basketball in this community. Uh, it started with Coach Haskins a long, long time ago. Uh, you know, it, it followed with Coach Gillespie, Coach Sadler, Coach Barbie, Coach Floyd, Coach Terry. It's just great coaches have, have roamed that sideline, great teams, great players. We're going to honor some of those teams this year, some NCAA tournament teams. We're bringing them back. 
in, in January and February, which I'm excited about. We're going to put some, uh, I think, some new names uh, and some new jerseys up in the banners that belong there. Uh, it's just got an incredible tradition and history, and you know we got to do our part, man. We we got to we, we got to win games and put a great product on the floor that these fans get behind. Uh, and I think when we do that, um, I, I think the dawn will awaken again. Uh, but but anytime you can put a uh, you know you can uh, put a home court, uh, you can you can pack it, you can put fans in there. Uh, the, our players play the opposing teams. Uh, it, it becomes very very difficult uh, to play in. So. Uh, you know, we led the league in attendance last year, even on a down season. Uh, I, I'm so appreciative to our fans for sticking with us. Uh, and I think they're going to enjoy this team, man. Th- this, team, uh, th- this team plays for the name on the front of the chest. They play for the Miners. They play for the city of El Paso. Uh, th- they're going to play for our students. Uh, they've been a very unselfish group. You know, they don't play necessarily for the name on the back. Uh, you know, they-, they play for each other. They've shown that. Now, can we do that when the bright lights? Uh, come on, uh, that's, the, that's the plan and that's the hope, and, and I think this team will do it. But I, this team plays extremely hard. Um, I do think our defense is ahead of our offense right now, which that's the case in all, most programs. Uh, and, and we feel like we, we have a good defensive team, and, and that's kind of the staple of our program. And, uh, again, we've got to be better offensively this year. We have to score points. Uh, that's the name of the game to win games. The league itself uh, lost uh, six uh, schools from last year, and you look at who's come in. You've got a good friend of yours uh, in uh, Las Cruces with New Mexico State and uh, Jason Hooten. Then you talk about Liberty. You talk about uh, Sam, you know Sam Houston State, um, and then you look at really uh, the, the the teams that are back. Uh, you know, along with Jacksonville State. I, I've been saying this all along. Smaller leagues uh, mean. Good things if you're bringing in quality, because ultimately that'll just improve the overall strength of schedule when conference play starts and uh, give Conference USA a chance to get uh, a little bit of their credibility back. Yeah, uh, kind of twofold on that question, Steve. Number one, uh, big fan of Jason Hooten. You know, obviously him and I talked a lot before he took the job. I don't think there's anybody better out there that they could have gotten for what they were going through. Uh, he's a tremendous man of integrity. Uh, he's a hell of a ball coach, uh, and in today's world with the portal and, and transfers, I think I think they're going to be really good this year. You know, uh, so I'm happy for Jason. Um, he, he did a tremendous job at Sam Houston State. We had some battles, but uh, happy for him and, and happy for New Mexico State. I, I think they did it. Got a tremendous guy there leading their program. Um, as far as our league's concerned, um, I, I think you know we lost some name value, Steve. Obviously, coming off last year when you had. Yep. Uh, Florida Atlantic made the Final Four, UAB and North Texas in the finals of the NIT, which that will never happen again. You saw that last week. They changed the rules, right, uh, to the NIT because of what happened with UAB and North Texas. Um, and then Charlotte won the other tournament. So uh, we lose some name value and some pop um, coming off that. But to your point, I think we've added some terrific uh, basketball teams uh, and programs uh, to our to our league. You know, you look at Liberty. They've been to the NCAA tournament recently. Uh, Richie McKay's done a tremendous job there building that program. Uh, you know, Sam Houston State, obviously Jason came from there, but, but in the last decade they've been competing for championships in the Southland and the WAC. New Mexico State, I hear it all the time. I don't, I'm sick of hearing it. Uh, they've obviously uh, you know, done the WAC uh, the last 10 years uh, with their in-state tournaments. And then I think Ray Harper is one of the best coaches in college basketball. So uh, I think our league is going to be tremendous. I think there's going to be great coaching. There's going to be great players. Uh, and to your point, here's the deal, Steve. We talk all the time about multi-bid leagues. I thought Conference USA was uh, 
as good as it's ever been uh, last year, and we, we got one team in, right? Um, we didn't get multi. So if you're only going to get one team in anymore in these leagues uh, that we're in, then, you know, it, it, we only have nine teams in our league. We don't have 15 or 14. So, uh, you know, you, your opportunity to make the in-state tournament is better uh, with, with, with less amount of teams as long as it's a great league, to your point. We can keep our net high and we can stay competitive. And I think there's going to be a lot of parity this year in our league. I think it's going to be you know, very difficult to get road wins. And I think at the end of it, uh, I think our league will be ranked very, very high. Crazy that here we are November 3rd, and yet the bottom line is win the conference tournament, punch your ticket. And it's not to say the rest of the season is meaningless, but with one-bid leagues like this, ultimately you want to be playing your best basketball uh, come the beginning of March. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's kind of a crapshoot, you know. I mean, you go down there and there's nine teams are going to get invited and one team's going to win the bid, and it really doesn't matter what you've done all year. But uh, I'll, I'll say this, uh, you know, we don't talk a lot about win totals in our program. We don't talk about NCAA tournaments. We talk about trusting the process and trying to get better each and every day. Uh, and I think if you do that, you're going to put yourself in where you're competing for championships and conference play, and you're going to put yourself in March with the opportunity to – um, you know, compete uh, for an NCAA tournament bid, and that's what we got to do. Uh, we did not do that last year, obviously. You know, my our first year here, we were, uh, you know, we had the ball uh, tie game with seven seconds, can't finish it, and getting beaten overtime before we make the semis. We were right there. We were close uh, to having the opportunity, you know, and so uh, we got to get back to, to, to doing that. And um, again, excited about coaching this team. What can you tell us about uh, McMurray? I know last season the Warhawks, uh, I think they finished about 7-18, and 18, but they were 6-12 and 12 in the conference. Uh, you know, it's, it's the first game of the season for you, uh, a team that plays a, a lot of basketball in the state of Texas. Uh, what do you know about them? Yeah, obviously pretty familiar with them because of Abilene, Texas. Um, you know, they've been a long-time, very successful Division three program. They went Division Two about, uh, I think, 10 years ago for about four or five years, and then they've gone back to Division Three. Uh, but uh, Coach Pickleman's been there a long time, their head coach. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, and Coach Stubbs, uh, one of our assistant coaches uh, on our staff. And uh, they play really, really fast. Uh, they, they, they had an exhibition at UTSA, uh, I think, three or four days ago. So they've already played in front of the bright lights. They've already put the uniform on. And uh, so this will be our first opportunity. And, and obviously our – uh, for some of our newcomers, the first time they've experienced the dawn and our fan base and just the energy that's in there. So, uh, again, they play fast. They shoot a bunch of threes, and that's what's scary. Any team that comes in and shoots 30-plus threes, it always makes you nervous as a head coach because if those things start going in, uh, you know, you get you, you find yourself uh, in trouble. So, uh, But I expect us to be ready to play. Our guys are excited, again, to get back out there. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we have our first four games at home this year. We kind of built our schedule that way, um, and, and uh, I'm excited. You know, hopefully we can build some momentum uh, the first week, uh, and then obviously we have uh, one of the best mid-major teams in the country uh, coming in here on November 13th in UC Santa Barbara, and then we play Austin P, who's got a brand-new coach uh, from Northwestern that had a ton of success last year. So uh, it, it, our competition de- definitely elevates uh, each time we're going to be out, but um, excited for the challenge uh, on Monday night. 
Coach, you alluded to uh, some of the newcomers seeing the court for the first time. I mean, uh, we understand that guys like Zid Powell, Corey Camper are going to play a lot this year, and even Elijah Jones among your newcomers. But will we see guys like Trey Horton and, and guys like David Terrell step foot on the court next week early on to see what they can do? Yeah, I think you will, man. I think you'll see us play anywhere from 10 to 12 guys uh, opening night, and uh, that's kind of the plan to get these guys some minutes and, and get some tape on them and get them experience. Uh, as we navigate the season, uh, obviously there'll be changes as we figure our team out. Uh, but but I do think this team has depth. I do think we can play nine or ten guys uh, as long as as they uh, take care of the minutes uh, that that they get right. And uh, but but so far that's uh, that's what we've seen through two scrimmages. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, Zid's got a little bit of a hand injury. He's been out of practice, but he came back yesterday. Uh, excuse me today and, and had a good workout. So I think he'll be full go. David Terrell's been terrific uh, in, in practice. He's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes, but uh, he's going to be a darn good player for UTEP uh, over the course of his career. And Trey Horton can really, really shoot the basketball. And um, obviously with Baylor's situation right now, uh, Baylor you know, has not uh, been cleared by the NCAA with his waiver, and so that creates opportunities um, for, for guys like Trey that can make shots. Corey Camper is, is coming along great and obviously really score the basketball. We're excited about Eliza Jones. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, uh, we, we've got two walk-ons that are going to play. Uh, they've been really good this, this fall. They've been great in our scrimmages, but Garrett Levesque and uh, Sebastian Cole, uh, these, these two guys are energy givers. They, they make winning plays. They, they, they're selfish kids. They know their role. They know what they're doing. Uh, and so, uh, I'm, again, excited about the depth and, and uh, you know, uh, that, that this team has. UTEP head men's basketball coach Joe Golding joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, coach, if Baylor does not receive his waiver for this season, would he then be able to sit out and be ready to go next season, worst-case scenario? Yes, yes. So if he doesn't win it, this will become a redshirt year, and he'll still have two years uh, to, to play for us here uh, at UTEP. So it's a difficult deal. It's obviously uh, mentally draining for him. Uh, he wants to play. Uh, I, I think right now uh, we're, Baylor's playing as good as anybody in our program. He's he's got a ton of experience. He understands winning. He's been to two NCAA tournaments. Uh, he, he can really really shoot the basketball. Uh, he, he's he's uh, way better defensively than he was four years ago when I recruited him. Uh, and uh, you know I, it's hard, but uh, he's in a, he's actually in a really really good place. He understands what's going on all, along the landscape of of NCA and, and these waivers really not, you know, a lot of them getting denied. And uh, so he understands that. And if, um, if he can't play, he'll, he'll, he'll be a tremendous uh, asset to us in practice and on scout team, and, and he'll make everybody else better, and uh, he'll be ready to go next year. Before we wrap things up with you, Coach, uh, we lost Bobby Knight this week. I'm wondering if uh, over the years you ever had a chance uh, to meet Coach Knight, uh, and uh, if so, we'd love to have you share that. If not, uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, Coach Knight uh, meant uh, to you as a head coach. Yeah, I did have the opportunity to meet him. Uh, got to become really good friends with Pat Knight uh, through Chris Beard. Uh, obviously, Chris Beard's uh, my best friend, and when he was at Texas Tech, I spent a lot of time there. Uh, with, with those guys and got to know Coach uh, uh, about as good as anybody can get to know Coach. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story. We went to the Final Four in St. Louis, and we were sitting uh, in the back room of an Italian restaurant, and there was about 12 people eating, the Texas Tech staff, and then Tony La Russa, uh, I think his name was Gil Brandt, uh, the old Cowboy yep. Scout. Is that correct? Yep. Is it Gil- That's yeah, correct. Yeah, Gil Brandt and 
a couple a couple other of Coach's friends, and uh, at the very end of the meal, uh, Coach Coach uh, Knight said that he would pay for dinner as long as everybody around the table put twenty dollars in for the tip. And at the time, I was a Division two assistant coach. I was making about twenty five thousand dollars a year, and I had gone to the Final Four basically on full scholarship. Right, Pat and and uh, Coach Beard and, and a couple other guys were kind of you know putting me on scholarship and paying for everything because I didn't have any money and. Um, I didn't have $20 to put in there, so everybody around the table put $20. So 11 people put $20 in, and I thought we were good to go. Coach you know, wouldn't worry about it. We would leave, and Coach picked up those $20 bills and started counting them, and he counted 11, and he said, hey, we're not leaving this table with, with, a, with a couple other words that he liked to use, right, uh, until somebody else gives their $20. And about, I, I was scared to death, Steve. Um, I, I thought my, my life and my career was over right there, and, Thank God Bubba Jennings, uh, one of the all-time greats at Texas Tech, uh, slipped me $20 underneath the table. And when Coach turned his head, I slipped it in the pile. And about 10 minutes later, he recounted and counted 12 20s. And he said, okay, we can leave now. So uh, a lot of credit right there to, to Coach Jennings uh, because my career might have been over right there. But wow, what a story that is. That's, side of things, yeah. yeah, on the basketball side of things, I think he's, he belongs on Mount Rushmore, in my opinion, right? There's uh, there's there's a few guys out there, uh, Dean Smith, uh, Coach Krzyzewski, uh John Wooden, and I think Coach Knight is right there. Uh, just you can agree with what or disagree, but you hardly ever hear players that played for him talk or say a bad thing about him. He he raised boys into men. He held you accountable. Uh, he taught the game of basketball at a high level. He graduated kids. Uh, he's turned them into better people uh, when when they left him and uh, better dads and better husbands and. Uh, then he won a ton of games. So um, it, it's a sad day for our sport, but but I also know the last couple of years have been really difficult for Coach. He's battled, uh, obviously, some, some stuff uh, late in his life. And so I, I think Coach is obviously at peace right now. And I enjoyed the Twitter world yesterday about him and Coach Haskins up there now and talking basketball and, and, and have a friend, and, and I'm sure they're having a hell of a time up there. No doubt about it. All right, Coach, great job. Appreciate you giving us the extended conversation today. We'll look forward to Monday night. And as always, thanks for the time and joining us on the show. All right, that's uh, UTEP uh, head coach Joe Golding as we continue here on the program. 23 past the hour. Let's go to Charlie for traffic. Then we're back with more Sports Talk live out here. Del Valle High getting ready at Conquistador Stadium. For uh, the game of the week, it's going to be Bel Air and uh, Del Valle for all the marbles. As we continue, 600 ESPN El Paso. In the El Paso Metroplex, we have some rough spots right now. I want to start on the freeway, far east side. I-10 East at Loop 375, we have a collision. It's on the right lane. There's some slowdown here. Lukey Lou's slowing down to look at it. I-10 East. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue, along with Adrian Broadus, Steve Kaplowitz, hanging out out here. 
Good to see Chris Lopez, the voice of uh, Del Valle. Hi, the jack of all trades out here. Came by a little while ago to say hello. The staff is now starting to get here. We arrived um, before anybody, basically. it was the, the prep crew was still getting things ready out here. And uh, once the ladies left, it was like an hour of nothing. And then during our interview with Joe Golding, we've started to see more and more people come in. Since now we're 90 minutes away from kickoff between uh, Del Valle and Bel Air. Steve, I left uh, the press box briefly to try to find uh, the restroom, and I found Chris Hanna instead. So there you he'll go. be coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, we'll talk to the director of Bleeding Red, and nice. he is dressed up, Steve. He has an outfit ready to go for tonight. Does he really? Yes. When you say an outfit, you mean oh, oh, you, he's you just got an outfit. Watch. This right. is going to be a surprise. You just have to get ready to wa- and watch this one. I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I really am. I think that's going to be uh, fantastic With uh, when Chris comes up here to talk about this with us. I think that's really what it's all about. And uh, for us, a, a chance to be a little bit a part of that. By the way, updating the Eastwood-Eastlake game, it is now 35-7. to So it is all Eastwood out at the sack. That's the first of two today, the late game, uh, which will be uh, kicking off at 7.30 tonight, uh, will feature uh, Americas and Socorro. So the Bulldogs and uh, the Trailblazers doing battle 7.30. But right now, uh, 35-7 troop over the Falcons and uh, I can't really say we're too surprised. Eastwood, one of the top teams in the city, and uh, trying to just put a big uh, exclamation point before they get ready for by district next week. You think about the Eastwood Troopers this year. They went undefeated in district play. I mean, cruising to this victory today, uh, I'm just going to chalk this one as a W for them. And uh, that would mean an unbeaten streak here in district play, which is hard to say in 1-6-A. What a gauntlet it was. You talk about Pebble Hills being one of the best teams in all the city of El Paso. You also talk about a team like Montwood, who is frisky and really came onto the scene nicely this entire year. America's gets that final spot in the playoffs uh, you know, assuming everything goes right for them tonight, and it probably will. So that's how it'll chalk up in 6A. The teams who are left kind of outside looking in include Eastlake, include Franklin, include Coronado, and it just tells you this was a talented district from top to bottom, and uh, there it just took the best of the best to, to be at uh, the top of this one. You're right. I saw that uh, you just put up uh, on uh, X or Twitter that uh, Baylor Hebb hasn't cleared waivers. That was really our biggest takeaway from Joe Golding and telling us that he would redshirt and have two more years of eligibility. I saw UTEP Monero's follow-up. If he decides to stay after he's able to play, is the concern? Well, not really, and I'm going to tell you why, Monero. Um, Number one, you have two years left of eligibility, okay? He's never really produced at the college level. Joe has been after him since he was in high school, so he sees something untapped that probably nobody else has had a chance to see. And if he transfers, he's got to sit out another year. So at this point, since he would not be immediately eligible if he goes someplace else, to me, this is going to be Baylor Hebb's last spot. I don't see him going anywhere after this year. I think it's UTEP for two, and then whatever he decides to do after that. So unlike some athletes where I could see some a comment like that and be a little concerned, not him, not given his trajectory so far as a college athlete, the lack of, of offensive production, and just how Joe has wanted him all these years, and now he finally gets to have him the last two. 
how interesting is that? Then now we have to start evaluating players, whether it's football, it doesn't matter, sport, uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, whatever. But we have to kind of start evaluating it and say, how many schools have you been to before yeah. you got to UTEP? Or are you uh, at UTEP for the first, is this your first school right here? And if you're a first school person, does that give you more of an inclination to transfer, knowing that you've got that first one that is checked off? You can transfer once and be immediately eligible. That second time around, you have to really think about it. It. Do I really want to transfer knowing that I have to sit out a year? That is what this new uh, restriction has done. The other thing, Steve, the NCAA is so volatile. I, yep. I wouldn't be surprised over the offseason to see another change to this rule that was already or that was just in place this year. No, you're right. I mean, they, they, they are. I think they're continuing to modify it as they see the way the process is working out. We're already seeing that waivers are being denied. Yes. You know, the last couple of years – Anytime somebody requested a waiver, it was it was oh, granted. I mean, some players, it was a joke how easily they were getting their waivers, and I think people realized, well, the NCAA has to crack down on this. They can't make it this easy. So now they are. They're starting to say no more often to players trying to get that waiver and become immediately eligible. So not really surprised about that. I also say this to the point that Joe Golding brought up about you know how he's doing mentally – that must be tough. I mean, yeah. I think back to the guys like Bryson Williams, Sule Boom, those guys who had to sit out a year when they were under head coach Rodney Terry at the time. Uh, they pretty much uh, only practiced all season long, just had to watch as their team competed from the bench, and that was just the reality of their season as a redshirt. So for Baylor Heb, somebody who's already played college basketball, this is probably a mental setback, like having to you know sit on the bench and having to be a redshirt. That probably isn't a good feeling whatsoever, but – uh, for him and, you know, the relationship, I think that's what you can bank on for him returning next year for that 2024 season and then using him as kind of that, that guy that they've hoped he could be, which is that sharpshooting guard in their backcourt. And understand this, too, okay? It's important to bring this up. Breon Hayward did not win his appeal right. with the NCAA and was supposed to play last season and improve that linebacking core, and unfortunately for him, he never got that waiver. Before he got hurt, Aaron Dumas had not received clearing from the NCAA to play this year for the UTEP Miners. So even if he had stayed healthy, we might be looking at Aaron Dumas next season, not this season, running the ball for UTEP. So it's not exactly like... Everybody wanting that waiver is immediately getting eligible here at UTEP. In fact, those are three examples of players that, you know, haven't been able to get their waiver uh, approved by the clearinghouse. Yeah, and sometimes it's even mid-year guys, too. I mean, uh, Elijah Jones, he was an example last year, came as a mid-year guy. He he applied to try to be uh, immediately eligible, although, you know, the coaching staff admitted at the time they weren't sure if they were actually going to burn that eligibility uh, uh, you know, his eligibility for just a half a season, but he didn't get that uh, passed through. That never got, uh, you know, cleared as far as a mid-year waiver. Caden Archie's another example of a mid-year transfer who never got uh, eligible until that following season. Yep. So, yeah, I feel like uh, the minors have been on the opposite end of these waivers usually. They, they, it doesn't seem like we talk a lot about the minors winning a lot right. of these uh, waiver um, arguments. I want to, yep, absolutely right. Uh, I want to switch gears for a second let you know that uh, 10 o'clock this morning folks ripe eatery went on sale for dining deals in fact uh, right now they've got 
$50 gift certificates uh, for $25 to Ripe Eatery. And uh, I'll tell you what, I just look at the picture and I see that crusted salmon with the couscous and I get excited. The menu is terrific, folks. It's uh, And it's not you know just salmon or chicken. Um, they also have delicious burgers. They've got uh, terrific uh, shrimp and calamari tacos. Uh, they've got uh, you know salads. Everything you can imagine is great. They've got a terrific beer and wine list. If you've never been to Ripe Eatery on the west side of town uh, at, at 910 Red road this is the perfect way to do it it's why i love about dining deals because the regulars are going to jump all over these advantages these sales and take advantage the newbies who have never been there is no better way to try one of the best restaurants in town than dining deals which is on our must read bar at 600 espn elpaso.com you think about it steve the holidays are right around the corner what better way to celebrate with loved ones than taking them out to ripe through this dining through these dining deals or even really which is still on our dining deals uh, tab as well. So taking advantage of a $50 meal for just $25, that's all you're spending. It's really easy to sign up. You just go up to our website, 600ESPNElPaso.com, the must-read bar. You'll find it right there under dining deals, and it'll set you up. It's easy to use when you're on your phone as well, and you're able to just essentially pull up a QR code, and uh, so you scan it off when you're ready to pay with your server, and you're good to go. I mean, it's a really easy process. So I love this, and uh, love Ripe for doing this with us. Man, I do too. I'm super excited about that. So, folks, take advantage while they last, because once they're gone, they're gone. And there's limit two, so you can only buy a max of two of these $50 gift certificates for $25 to Ripe Eatery. The must-read bar at 600ESPNElPaso.com. Click Dining Deals, and you will be on your way to enjoy some uh, terrific food out at Ripe. And like I said, get it before it's too late. Uh, 38 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. I saw this earlier. Interestingly enough, a pair of twin brothers, Matt and Ryan uh, Booley, Former five-star prospects signed to play basketball at Chicago State this season, sued the NCAA in federal court after they were denied eligibility for receiving money that they say was generated from their name, image, and likeness while competing for Overtime Elite Academy. It's a big story right now, Adrian. It really is because this is one of those stories that will set a precedent and, again, Part of the NIL discussion that we've talked about so much when the lawsuits start to come in and you're starting to see athletes sue the NCAA, what is going to happen as a result? Yeah, the Buleys were actually declared ineligible because the NCAA claimed they were paid a salary by Overtime Elite. Now, Overtime Elite, we've seen a lot of those guys yeah. go into the NBA draft process and be drafted really high. Look at uh, Amon, or, or the Thompson Twins and how they succeeded when they were uh, in the Overtime Elite group. So, yeah, it, this is a really, really interesting uh, story to follow, and it'll be interesting to see how this blurs between uh, draft draft eligibility requirements when it's all said and done. We're live out here at Conquest Stadium, folks, uh, along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplow. It's 915 Tours Game of the Week, and it's a big one. Delvay and Bel Air for the gold ball and the district title. In fact, uh, we got a lot more coming up as we get you ready for kickoff. But first, we'll take a timeout and come back right here. 600 ESPN El Paso.
Back out here at uh, Conquistador Stadium getting ready for uh, Del Valle and uh, Bel Air. Uh, both of these teams trying to win district crowns. Uh, Del Valle has been terrific. They're perfect in district. Uh, one loss for Bel Air, but it uh, should be a great matchup out here tonight. And Adrian, uh, we have some we have some royalty with us right now. Ivan Cedillo is the principal at uh, Del Valle High School, and he's been kind enough, uh, kind enough to join us for a couple of minutes. First off, thanks for having us, and uh, we uh, are so happy to be back out here and broadcast the show at Del Valle. No, absolutely. As soon as we heard that, you know, you all wanted to come down here to the stadium, first thing we did is make sure that you all had what you needed. You know, great exposure for the program, great exposure for the school, the district, you know, everything. So, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, I can already kind of get the feel right now. We can see it since we, we, we arrived till now. We're a little more than an hour away from kickoff, everything on the line. And uh, there's something special about a big game atmosphere this late in the season for high school football, isn't there? Always is. I mean, we had the same thing last year as well. You know, really big game versus the Bel Air at their house this year, you know, coming here. You know, we'll have a lot of people here. we got senior night going on for all our, you know, fall sports and such. So, you know, really should be should be great atmosphere for a good football game. What is the community uh, of Del Valle football like? Because, um, you know, it started with Jesse Perales really establishing a culture here. Rudy Contreras has done a fantastic job. By the way, if uh, he wins a district crown tonight, it'll be three times in five years. So uh, at the end of this year, you might have to bump that salary up a little bit. Uh, but uh, r- regardless, what's the community like here for this football program? Uh, the community is awesome. Um, you know, I know Coach Perales started with the whole concept of one family, one destiny. Uh, with Coach Contreras having been a product of Del Valle. Graduated in 2001, played both football and baseball here. Uh, so it's really ingrained in him. And that's one of the things that when I came on as a principal last year, I really did notice that that concept of family is huge here. Uh, it's not just words on a field, not just words that we say, but really words that we feel, that we, that we believe, and that we preach. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And prior to coming here at Del Valle, how you've been able to rise up the ranks in, uh, in, in administration here in El Paso. Uh, well, actually, this is only my second year back in El Paso. Um, oddly enough, I graduated from the, the school over there on the other side of the field back in 2002. <laughs> ah. um, that was one of the first things that, you know, people asked me when I first got the job, hey, what school did you graduate from? Well, I grew up in the Lower Valley is what I started telling people because I knew that there was, you know, that big rivalry between DB and, and Bel Air. Yeah. Uh, but graduated but from Bel Air in 2002. Made my way out to New York at Vassar College, graduated from there, played ball there as well, and then uh, been out in the Dallas area actually for the last 16 years. And it wasn't until, you know, I started looking at positions, uh, you know, openings here in El Paso, thought about coming back. My wife's from here. My parents still live here. My entire family's here. It just, I ended up down there coaching and and teaching and uh, became an assistant principal, associate principal down there, and then made the move down here as a principal. It's a great story. Ivan Cedillo with us right now, principal of Devaya High as we continue on Sports Talk. So you tell me, gone 16 years, you come back. Has uh, Does El Paso seem to have evolved a lot since you've been gone, or you, what, what has it been like for you? It, it, it's completely different. Uh, I remember the last time I was actually here, uh, I think it was 375 and then Desert. Uh, now you got 375 and, I don't know, 10, 15 miles of still homes. And, and I mean, it's grown a lot. Uh, the thing is, I saw that growth because I would come back home every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, one time during the summer. Like I said, my wife's from here, so we visited. But, um, I mean, it, it, it's great. I love, you know, coming back. Really, really, this is home. Uh, to me. Uh, so it was just a matter of time before I came back. Knowing the rivalry and going back to your playing days, what it meant and, and what it's meant over the years, it almost seems to me like these two teams really 
it's fitting that they're playing the final game of the regular season, isn't it? Uh, I believe so. It, it's always been that rivalry in the lower valley. Um, you know, we can we can talk about you know maybe Parkland, who's got a great team out in the Northeast, uh, but anytime you have two lower valley teams. Uh, the way that hard-nosed football, hard-hitting football that that'll be played tonight, it's always special uh, to be able to get those two. You know, we're, we're not very far from each other, um, so it's always nice to be able to get that that rivalry. But you know, should be should be good for us here at DB. So for the this Del Valle squad in particular, you got a sophomore quarterback in Jake Fetty, who's really uh, bursted into El Paso football as one of the best quarterbacks that the city's seen uh, this year. And you look at other players like Fuller on this on this roster. Uh, uh, Jonathan Estrada, who's a two-way player. Uh, what's your assessment of this group? How do you like this team? You know what? Uh, I used to coach football before. Uh, I was a football coach uh, prior to coming into administration, coach baseball as well. Uh, so I really look at it from that angle. Uh, one, we got some very, very talented kids. But what I will tell you is they're great people. Uh, in the in the classroom, in the hallways, you know, you see them, and they're just very respectful. Um, so for me, on that end, I think it showcases what the best part of what DB is. But at the same time, obviously, their town set is all heck. I mean, they're they're really good, really good team. Uh, they play well. Uh, we've got great coaches. Uh, so really, I mean, it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal football team that we put out each and every night. Does it really blow you away when you think that this school's been open since 1987? Started playing football in 1988. Chuck Felice had a great four-year run here before he went to Montwood, and, and we know what he did over there. And Yet football at Del Valle has always been special. It's always been considered a winner with, with a great reputation. And now that Bel Air has been able the last couple of years to bring their program back up, and you mentioned a long-standing rivalry in the lower valley between these two schools, it almost seems like it's taken the whole area's interest level and raised it up about another ten notches. It really has. It really has. I mean, obviously, DV back from when I was when I was playing. I never played football against them. However, it was always, oh, we're facing DV. Probably chalk it up as a loss. Uh, but I mean, it, they, they've, it, they've always been great. Um, but I, it, you know, having Bel Air, you know, kind of rise up here over the last several years, it really helps out our guys and it raises our level. Uh, it makes us have to prepare for a team that's going to come out, you know, and, and try to take it to us. Uh, but it, it just makes us overall a better team, prepares us better, you know, for that next step. Ivan, I'm watching the uh, setup out here for the media spread tonight before the game, and we know this is legendary. We heard that uh, Steak and Lobster was last week for homecoming. <laughs> Next week for playoffs will be the traditional Thanksgiving meal. Um, when you arrived and you realized what was what you know the, what what this was all about, did it kind of blow your mind a little bit to realize? Because ever since UTEP stopped doing the all-you-can-eat El Paso buffet <laughs> for their sporting events a couple of years ago, which was always the gold standard for college sports, we don't have that anymore. But then we come out here and I'm looking around and I'm like, Adrian, it's like UTEP all over again here at Del Valle. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know, when I first took over the position, obviously there was a lot of pressure. Um, you know, very successful principal who was here before. Uh, the schools had a great reputation academically. But I'll be honest, I was really, really worried. And make, I had to make sure that the, the spread continued. Uh, you know, because once, you know, that is what DB is known for. You know, I would say that on this side of uh, I-35, uh, you know, have the best spread from what I hear. So we had to make sure we continued it. Uh, and it really has. So, yeah, I mean, you all are more than welcome to come for the, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. We'll have a few turkeys, you know, here next week.
We appreciate that. Well, listen, you've been great here inviting us. Uh, I'm seeing the fans show up. It's As you mentioned, senior night. I see a lot of the pageantry already as people are making their way on over. I'm just hoping for a packed house, a great atmosphere, and, a, and really a, a terrific football game to complement all that. No, absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, it should be a packed crowd. Um, you know, I know Bel Air travels well. I know we, we show up here. Uh, stands are usually packed, you know, st- standing room only. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely, thank you all for coming out. It's, it's been a pleasure having you all here. Thank you for having me on, and uh, enjoy the game. Great to meet you, and uh, look forward to seeing you again here real soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Ivan Cedillo, folks. He is the principal of uh, Del Valle High. We've got one more big hour to go. We've got football Friday night right around the corner. And, yes, the game everybody is talking about here in El Paso coming up in just about an hour when they kick it off. Del Valle hosting Bel Air for the district title. Sports Talk continues with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Final hour of Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Kaplowitz with you, along with Adrian Bratis, Danny Pedroza, hanging out live, Conquistador Stadium. We've been with you since 4 o'clock today. Going to take you up till uh, a little bit past, uh, quarter past the hour, and then we'll get you out to uh, Bo Bagley, Paul McKinnon, our football Friday night crew all around El Paso, and uh, getting set uh, for what will be the final regular season week high school football before it's on to the playoffs and uh, by district starting next uh, week uh, about thursday and friday with games uh, all around town and looking forward to covering those for you here as well uh, devai has been terrific hosts we want to thank them as well for having us out here the sun is starting to set and in about 15 20 minutes it'll be another beautiful sunset in el paso and then on to the big one the game itself between uh, the conquistadors and also the Highlanders with uh, the district title on the line. Adrian, we've been uh, having the opportunity now to talk to various individuals uh, getting ready, and uh, Ivan Sadia was terrific giving us the Del Valle background. We've got uh, Bel Air on the field right now. Chris apparently is uh, out there as well, and he is all decked out in a kilt uh, for this final game. You might call him a Highlander himself, Steve. He, he might be the Highlander today for Bel Air. So uh, he's fired up. He's ready for this one. I think everybody's ready for this one. Hey, look, on one side for, De- for Bel Air, they've got a high-powered offense. It's led by their quarterback, Noah Moreno, who has 11 touchdowns on the season. By the way, wide receiver Chris Davis averages 94 receiving yards a game and totals 12 touchdowns as well. But we already know what uh, Del Valle brings to the table. Even though they are playing without one of their top skill players in Shelton Fuller, who averaged almost 90 rushing yards a game. They're led by their sophomore quarterback. He's Jake Fetty, and he has 11 passing touchdowns on the season. Hasn't lost a game as a starter for the Conquistadores this entire season. I'm looking at Jonathan Estrada as a top receiver, top cornerback to stand out in this one tonight. You know it's a big game, Adrian, when Big Game Bloomquist shows up from uh, the Times, and I haven't seen Brett in a while, so it's good to see him out here covering this one tonight so he knows the significance and uh, what's really going to be on the line 
Um, look, I'm interested also to see from a Bel Air standpoint uh, what Chris Davis is able to do. He's averaging almost 100 yards a game receiving. Uh, Mark uh, Mukibi uh, is also right there. They're like the yeah. dynamic duo between those two. And I don't know. You you tell me. I mean, do you feel like between Noah Moreno, Chris Davis, they can keep this game interesting and that fast-paced offense that we've seen all season long uh, from Eric Scoggin trying to put some points on the board again and test that Delvalle defense tonight. All season long, they put up points with the exception of that loss to Isleta. They yep. lost 21-14, the only game when they're scoring less than 20 this entire season. And that was a head-scratcher, and I think that allowed the team to kind of refocus and uh, get ready for this one tonight. I mean, we've seen Delvalle get into shootouts before this year, though. They, they played an absolute back-and-forth barn burner against Chapin early earlier in the year, and they were able to distance themselves in the end. So it's not about just putting up points, not about just uh, you know get, getting on the board here against Del Valle for Bel Air, but it's also being prepared for Del Valle to always come back. I mean, that's the team that they've been this year. Uh, I believe it was close. They, they may have even trailed at one point briefly against the Huskies in that game, and then they came back, stormed through, and took the victory uh, when it was all said and done. So I've just been impressed by the uh, resilience of... Uh, uh, the yeah, I guess kind of the resilient attitude by this Del Valle team this season. So let's see what they can do tonight. Jake Fetty is already 6'2", and he's a sophomore. Do you feel like by the time he finishes up as a senior, here is going to be the next big quarterback prospect coming out of El Paso? No, he's not next. He's now. That's that's who he is. He is now. He is the quarterback right now who is uh, w- probably my favorite here in town a- as a passer. I mean, there's the Gaello Choas and the Shea Smiths of the world, but we love what they do for their dual threat abilities. Now, you look on the flip side with another top quarterback in the city, Evan Minjades. He's a senior standout quarterback for Eastwood, but he might not necessarily have the, the physical gifts that Jake Fetty presents right off the uh, off the top. I mean, a guy who's 6'2", a guy who's only a sophomore, a guy who should get Division One interest as soon as this season is over. I mean, those are all the things that you bring to the table, or that Jake Fetty brings to the table. Is he someone that you expect UTEP to offer? Are you they surpri- should offer him after are you this su- season. Are you surprised they haven't offered him yet, yes. all things considered? Yes, because the, it just takes another Division One school to come in, swoop in, uh, get at Jake Fetty early for the momentum to start uh, for him. And it's, we we all know it's kind of a domino effect in recruiting at the high school level. One team will get on one one player or be really excited about one player and offer him, and then everybody follows suit. So I, I think I expect that to happen when you're talking about Jake Fetty. I do too. And um, again, I, I look at great prospects. You know, UTEP just offered Paul, uh, not Paul. I was going to say Shit. Ed Stansberry's son, yeah. who's in what. Uh, eighth grade. Correct. And, West Stansberry. And West is getting offered. So eighth or seventh, I think. Eighth, eighth grade. Eighth, eighth grade. And that's, and that's the youngest prospect that's ever been offered. And here's a 10th grader who's already 6'2", producing, and it's not exactly like D1 prospects grow on trees in El Paso. No, not at all. I would also say that class, that sophomore class is very impressive because uh, uh, you know, we we talked all about Jake Fetty, but there's also uh, a standout quarterback in uh, Davion Singleton who also plays a little wide receiver and running back out of Chapin. He's a sophomore as well. He's already garnered Division 1 interest. Ryan Estrada, I got a chance to see him last night play for El Dorado. Even though his numbers uh, took a, a little bit of a dip this 
year in his sophomore season as a freshman, he was one of the best running backs in the city of El Paso last year yeah. uh, for the Aztecs. So that class, that sophomore class, is very intriguing moving forward. Oh, and Ben Wilson, another one, Coronado's standout a- athlete who plays a little bit of quarterback, a little bit of wide receiver. He's also just a sophomore right now. People are probably wondering what's the spread like here in the press box since we hyped it up so much. Let me tell you, we've got subs and pizza as appetizers for the pregame meal, and they're bringing in uh, burgers, nachos at halftime. They've got chips as well, and uh, this is uh, apparently just business as usual. And Brandon Cohn has made his way over here. Good to see (laughs) Coney, who's going to be covering big game Brandon, getting set for the game of the week, our 915 Tours game of the week. And wouldn't you know it, we're on air finishing up. He's already got a plate ready to go Man. as he gets set for this he's, one. He's the smart one out of he all is. of us, Steve. We ha- we were uh, – our, our buddy Chris over here offered a, it he to did. us before anybody else. And we said, yes. you know what, we'll wait. We'll wait until we're done. Uh, no no, thank you right now. That's right. And uh, everybody else is starting to feast around us. Chris Lopez said, yes, go ahead and uh, enjoy, guys. We're said, nah, you know what, we, we appreciate the offer, but we will wait. And, uh, you know, the good news is there's enough food that, uh, for, for everybody. It's not like we're going to oh, be yeah. gone by the time uh, we get to eat. But it is an impressive uh, an impressive thing. And last week, who was covering at Delphi last week when they had steak and lobster? Oh, man, I, I don't remember uh, right now. I, I got to check the I got to check the reporter's schedule. I'll do a quick check. Um, yeah, because... I just Real quick, Steve, I just wanted to let everybody know that both guys are, are here. Uh, our, our two guys, Bo Bagley, Paul McKinnon, uh, and as soon as we're done, we'll, we'll be headed off uh, to them at our River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios. Excellent. Happy for that, and happy they were able to be a part of this. And listen, uh, the point is, folks, as we uh, tell you once again about all the matchups, uh, you know, there were definitely, uh, you know, that uh, last week, okay, here it is. Last week at Del Valle, when um, they were, well, actually, last week they played at East Lettuce, so, and Joe Rod was there. It must mm. have been the home game before. When no, they played at Hank. So it, maybe it's been a little while since they had was was the or Hanks may, or maybe it was a Hank's was game. here. Hank's was here. Oh, Joey, Joey Panisi. Ah. He's the lucky one who had a chance to enjoy the, Good uh, the stuff the, there, the, Joey. The, the steak and lobster. So there we go. So perfect Good stuff there, Joey. That works. Love and it. I and by the way, the sun is now set. So it is a. It's going to be a beautiful sunset here in El Paso. The stage is set, and if you notice. Um, as the Bel Air fans start to arrive on the opposite side, and really they haven't come yet, um, it, you could tell already that uh, the Del Valle crowd here on the press box side is approaching almost 50% capacity. Fans are coming early. They realize what's going to be happening here tonight. You know what I love about Conquest Stadium is they fill these stands uh, very impressively. There are a lot of people who come out here and who get really fired up about uh, this football program. And why why wouldn't you be? This football program has had so much success over the years. You think back to Jesse Perales and all the uh, district titles that he was able to to crown. If Delvia wins tonight, it's their 12th district championship it'll be three district titles for head coach rudy contreras if they are able to win tonight in five years think about that three district titles in five years as a head coach uh for the conquistadores now you look on the flip side with del bel air this would be their first co-district championship since the early 90s, 1991 to be exact. Bob Savage was their head coach at that time. And uh, for the Highlanders, they're playing for a lot as well. Their 13th 
district championship if they were to get uh, one tonight. Meanwhile, Del Valle, 12. So, hey, two historic football programs here in the city of El Paso, and uh, both of them playing for a lot tonight. It's so true. I don't know if uh, we can hook up with the boys uh, that are in our uh, talk studio right now. Probably not. All right, I was going to say our our 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studios. You will hear from uh, Bo and Paul in just a little bit, and they will take over and uh, get the tone, uh, get the, you know, set the, sta- set the stage and get everybody ready for uh, what's going to be a busy night of high school action in El Paso. There are a lot of games around town, final regular season games of the year, and then on to the playoffs. And again, the big question that we'll be asking starting next week, Adrian, as the matchups are set, is will we see a team or teams have a chance to make a real special run through the uh, state playoffs when they kick things off with by district next week. It's early right now. My best uh, bet would be Canyon Tio to go far into this year's state playoffs, and I'll give you the reason why. They recently got back their best player, and that is uh, the Carillo brother. And I and I love uh, what he's done all season long, Eddie Carillo. But he broke his collarbone early in the season, and we didn't think he would come back uh, this year. He did come back. He is uh, making a significant impact already. He helped them tremendously in their win against Chapin for that district championship. I could see a path to success for the the Canteo Eagles when it's all said and done. Now for Del Valle, they could go pretty far too. I just don't know how far their skill position players will take them in the playoffs, knowing that they're without one of their best in Shelton Fuller. Out of the 6A ranks, hey, Eastwood won three just recently. Uh, Why can't they go far? They're the district champions uh, of that uh, gauntlet that is 6A, and they'll be able to host a first-round by district playoff game so they could be another team to watch all right i want to talk about what's coming up tomorrow here on this radio station because we've got utep football we've got minor talk we got a special minor talk tailgate happening out at the district at 3233 north mesa that adrian's going to be hosting prior to utep and western kentucky on homecoming night let's talk a little bit about what's going to be happening here tomorrow yeah th- talk about a crazy weekend steve first off we've got our minor talk tailgate show that is out at the district District 3233 North Mesa, 99 cent wings, happy hour specials happening all the way up till uh, the countdown to kickoff show with Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, Cole Freytag, Mono the Monster Medina. We will be live on 600 ESPN El Paso about 5 o'clock for our tailgate show. And then afterward, you'll hear the countdown to kickoff. Kickoff is set for 7 o'clock against Western Kentucky. It's homecoming. And then afterward, we will have Minor Talk brought to you by the Oscar ID at the agency. Uh, and then it leads into a busy weekend. We'll have Sunday football action all on 600 ESPN El Paso with Sunday Night Football as well. And then Monday, it gets started. UTEP Hoops. Uh, first off, we will have our coverage beginning at 6.30 with Steve Yellen back on the radio with us. Steve, how crazy is that to get Yellen back on with us and to get some men's basketball underway here on Monday? I sat with Steve last weekend at the women's game. I went <laughs> over there and I spent. I went right next to him and we spent uh, half together talking. So I'm looking forward to seeing John and Steve. That'll be fun. Busy weekend for John because Taish is doing the football game Saturday, the basketball game Monday. We'll be live at the Ale House on Monday as well, getting you ready for Monday night football. But, yeah, as you might imagine, as Adrian said, lots and lots and lots of things to do. But go down, make it a make it a plan, make it a day with Adrian at the district, and then head to the game, and then afterwards listen to Minor Talk. It's going to be a busy, busy night. By the way, I'm going to be heading to Aggie land at four. I'm going to take in the Aggies and uh, Middle Tennessee. Then I'm going to drive back to El Paso, 
just in time to go to the Sun Bowl to watch UTEP and Western Kentucky. I get a double header of college football tomorrow. Excited about that as well. And uh, boxing tonight. There's so many great things happening here sports-wise in El Paso. Can I ask you for a favor tomorrow, Steve? I, I sometimes throw out people call them snarky. I just call them consistent. Uh, shots of the stadium and shots of the crowd. Can you please throw out a shot of the crowd tomorrow at Aggie Memorial? I'm curious to see how the, uh, the crowd looks because they're playing for a lot. They're not only playing for a bowl eligibility, yep. but they're playing to try to throw their names into the conversation of being in that Conference USA Championship game. I will. I'll make sure we do that. We'll send it out uh, at 600 ESPN El Paso. I'll tweet it out as well and get everybody ready to go. I'm expecting no fewer than 20,000. I mean, you're playing for back-to-back bowls. There is absolutely no excuse whatsoever why the city of Las Cruces of Cruces should not show up in big, big numbers tomorrow to support the Aggies. It's a massive game. You could argue this is one of their biggest games in what? The last 10 years? Right. The last 20 years? Uh, this is uh, on that list right there, and it's because of the team that they have here uh, this season. 100% right. Alright, we are just about ready for Bo and Paul. They'll come back after the break and after Charlie, and we will get you ready for football Friday night. And it's going to be a big one, folks. It is our final regular season uh, week as we continue here. For Adrian Broadus, for Danny Pedroza, I'm Steve Kaplow. It's Brandon Cohen will take over here at uh, Del Valle and Conquest Stadium for the big matchup. The one everybody's waiting for, our 915 Tours Game of the Week with Bel Air and uh, Del Valle. But all of our action will be coming up next, 600 ESPN El Paso.